Thank you for joining us for the 539 Church Podcast. 539 Church is a new church in Goodyear Heights, Ohio, that's inviting friends into family. If you live in the Northeast Ohio area, we'd love to have you join us on a Sunday morning. For more information about us, including our service times and live stream information, check out the links in our show notes or visit us online at 539.church. That's F-I-V-E 39.church. Please take a moment to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. So we just started last week a series called Hindsight, which is in the book of Ruth. So today we're going to be in chapter two. If you want to use the Pew Bible in front of you under your chair, that's on page 208, but we'll also have the slides up here on the screen for you. Um, The catchphrase for this series has been, we can see God's faithfulness in the rearview mirror. That we don't always know exactly what's going to happen, but as we look back, we have seen the hand of God working in our lives. And if you weren't here last week, I just want to do this again because it was very encouraging to see who, when they look back in their life, has seen God's hand work in it. And that's hands up all over the room. That's all over the room. So my name is Nolan. Um, if you don't already know me, I'm not usually up here, but we're doing, it, we're doing something new today. Um, I feel like I've met a lot of you, but I, I think I still have conversations with people who are surprised that I was a, a music major in college. Um, And one of the things that we did as music majors in college was we'd all get together and do a recital. Um, We'd play for each other. And there was one time I went up, had my instrument, had my music, put it all up, and I start playing through this piece. And the piece had four pages, and I realized about halfway through that I only had two of them up there. And it was, it was kind of a disaster. I mean, I, I, was, I was very upset, distraught at the end of it all. So ever since then, anytime I go up in front of people, I triple check that I have all four pages of my notes. I already triple checked. So we're, we're, we're going to be okay today. We're going to be okay. Um, so here's a little recap of what we covered from last week. We had a woman named Naomi and her husband, Elimelech, who are leaving the country of or they're leaving the city of Bethlehem to avoid a famine, and they're, they leave, they're, they're trying to just make a way for themselves. Their two sons get married, they make a life for themselves in Moab, and unfortunately, Elimelech dies, their two sons die, and Ruth and Naomi are in this just tragedy. So they're still suffering from a famine, they move back and to try and find food again, and now the townspeople are ridiculing them, so we're in the midst of just a tragedy of a season. Um, so imagine this situation kind of in your own life. If, if you had to go through the same things that Ruth and Naomi are going through, they're in, they're in grief over the loss of their family. They're hungry because of the famine. They are just exhausted from the travel. They're probably embarrassed because of what the townspeople are saying about them and all of these things. And, you know, when life gets a little crazy, a lot of times we don't know what to do. So what we're going to find today is that when we don't know what's coming tomorrow, we should be faithful with today. And that's what we're going to find through the entire chapter here. So um, has anyone ever played the game popcorn in school? Yeah, if you don't remember this, this is like when the teacher would come in and they don't like really want to teach. So they just pull out, they pull out the textbook and they say, you know, Johnny over in the corner you start and he can never really read out loud very well. And, you know, when he's done... We say popcorn, somebody else. So today we have the longest chapter in Ruth, and they, they just love to give that to me. So I figured maybe we would play that today. Everyone down? 
All right, no, I'm just kidding. I will read. I will read it. All right, so let's jump right in here at verse 1. It says, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain, after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Now, the first time I read this, I had no idea what the word glean meant. I like, kind of thought she was asking to go stand out in a field and just like, stand there and look pretty, and like, maybe someone would give her food. Turns out that's not what it is. I looked it up. Glean just means to extract. So she's, going, she's asking to go out into the fields and to grab grains from the corners of the fields and from what harvesters have dropped. Now, I can already feel you kind of going like, wait, 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 she's stealing food from people? No. That's not what's happening. This is a law that God put forth in, in Israel to say, I want to provide for the poor, and so, what you sh- so you should not harvest the corners of your fields and don't pick up anything after you. Um, this is a whole other sermon that we could get into, but God cares for the poor, he cares for the broken, and he cares for the needy. Um, that's not the angle that we're going to take today, but we can see that already just in this little, in this little section about leaning. Um, so what does Ruth do as she's handling this, tra- this, this tragic situation that she's been put in? She takes the next immediate step. So there's a lot of problems that she could be solving for right now. She doesn't have a provider. The townspeople don't really like her. She doesn't have a child. No inheritance, basically no family other than Naomi. But she takes stock of the situation, the immediate situation, which is, hey, we need lunch today. I need to eat food today. So we're two hungry widows. Hey, there's this law in Israel that says I can go out, I can go and and pick up some food, we can provide for ourselves. So she takes the next obvious step for the immediate problem at hand. Now, I don't know what all of you guys are going through today, but I think a lot of times we know what the next obvious step in our life to take is. We know we can look at the problems that we're facing. We know, hey, this is is the next thing that I have to do. Hey, maybe I do need to forgive this person in my life. Maybe I do need to have that tough conversation. Maybe maybe it's just like your friend needs help moving, and I mean, I never want to do that, but sometimes that is like the next step that you have to do. So she's solving for the immediate problem at hand. A lot of times, we feel like this step is just too small that God just doesn't really care about it. It's, it's inconsequential. It doesn't really matter. But what we'll see is that God is going to use small steps to do big things. So did you know that 97% of diets, people who go on diets, fail their diet? 97%. And it's because people are trying to take too big of steps. People see that they want to change something in their life, so then they go, okay, I'm just going to not eat any carbs anymore, no more pasta, and I, I, don't, I don't know that I could commit to that. Do I have anyone else in the room? Pasta? Yeah, my pasta lovers out here? Or they're just like, you know what, I'm only going to eat for an hour a day, and that'll be perfect. I'm going to go on a, a juice cleanse. They're trying to radically change everything in their life all at once to get to the goal that they want, and a lot of times we do this in our spiritual life too. We'll stand here, hey, the worship was great like it was this morning, and hey, maybe, maybe the preacher said something that really affected me, and I'm just going to change everything about myself spiritually today. And a lot of times that doesn't work. It doesn't even usually last until Monday. So what we want to do is we want to make small steps, small steps that we could do every day 
for a lifetime. So hey, if you're struggling getting into the Word, opening up your Bible, start with the verse of the day. If you download the Bible app, you can set a, a, a reminder on your phone. Spend two minutes just thinking about it and applying that to your life. Hey, if you're really trying to get more into prayer and you're not already praying before you eat, start there. Start with a small, sustainable step. Hey, if you're trying to be more generous, keep your spare change until the end of the week and then give that. Start with little things that you could sustain for a lifetime. And when you take these small, sustainable steps of obedience, you're going to see God use them in big, big ways in your life. And that is what, is what being faithful with today is. Often it's taking steps that to us are going to feel too small. So Ruth's small step was, we need lunch today. We need to get, I need to go out into the field. I need to provide for us. So let's see what big things God is going to use, use those small steps to do. So back in verse 3, it says, So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was the, of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean in the, and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. So it says, She happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. She happened to come to the field. Was that luck? Spoiler alert, that was not luck. That was God's hand in the situation guiding her to Boaz. And now that might not seem like a big deal, but here's a, here's a brief spoiler alert. So if you don't want to know anything, I'd cover your ears now. Boaz is going to be a massive, massive blessing to Ruth and Naomi in the end of this chapter and also in the coming weeks, as, we'll, as we will see. So God is using Ruth's small and immediate step and uses that to guide her into his blessing because God uses steps of obedience to steer us. A lot of times we are scared to move because we don't know how the situation is going to play out. We don't know how God is going to solve the problem. We know that, hey, this is probably the step I need to take, but I don't, I don't really see how this is going to affect my situation. I don't, I don't know how it's going to create more problems, but we just don't know what's coming tomorrow. So I want you to imagine this, this scenario. If you are driving out on a country road, it's midnight, there's cloud cover, new moon. Like if you turned off your car, you wouldn't be able to see your hand in front of your face. I think we've all kind of been in that situation before. If you have like those super bright LED headlights, you might have to imagine for a second because you, you, this probably won't be very relatable. Um, so you can't see all the way down the road, even with your headlights on. You can only see what's basically 20 feet on that throw in front of you and a little bit to your sides. And in that situation, you might be nervous that, hey, I can't really see. I still need to get home. I still need to keep going. So I, I just want to pause for a second. I, I almost cut this illustration entirely because I was riding in the car with Mike earlier. And I mean, yeah, he was not really staying in the line. So it didn't really work out. I hope you all are better drivers. This only really works if you know the rules of the road. Um, 
So what do you do in this situation? You keep the yellow line on your left, you keep the white line on your right, and you keep going. With what has been revealed to you, you stay in that lane. So you made it home, even though you didn't see all the surroundings around you, you couldn't see everything down the road, but with what was revealed to you, you stayed in the lane. It says in Psalm 119 that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So this is our headlight. If we don't spend time here, we don't have the light. But also look what it says. Where is that lamp? It's a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden it's going to be daytime and I can see all the way down the road. I know what everything that's going to come because there's no trust in that. There's no trust that God is working out all things for good in that. But he will reveal things to you. And as you take these steps, he will steer you. He will put these, these things next to you. So when you don't know what's coming tomorrow, God often is going to give you steps that you can take today. So we're going to jump back into the word here, and I just want to give you a brief warning. This is the longest section that we're going to cover today. We're going to go all the way from verses 8 to 17. So just lock in with me here for a second. So it says in verse 8, Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one. But keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants." And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some of the bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and, she passed to, and he passed to her roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some of the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. And she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. All right, everyone take a big deep breath in and out. All right, we made it to the end of the longest section. Um, so Boaz is blessing Ruth far more than he is expected to, far more than she had expected from him. Ruth is going out hoping for lunch. Boaz offers her protection. He says, do not go and glean in another field or leave this one. He is offering her water, sustenance for her work. He says, when you're thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. That's the water for his workers. He invites her to his table. At mealtime, he, he invites her into his home. This is far and above what the law is requiring of him to do. 
All the law says is that he should leave the corners of his field done and that he just shouldn't hurt her while she goes out and does this, but he provides for her. I, she also leaves today with an ephah of barley, and my bathroom scale doesn't really measure an ephah, so I wasn't sure exactly what that was. An ephah of barley is two weeks' worth of food for Ruth and Naomi. She leaves in one day's work, with one day's worth of work with two whole weeks' worth of food. And that is because Ruth does not serve a God of just enough. She went out looking for lunch, looking for provision for today, and God said, no, I will give you two weeks' worth of food, a meal. I will make sure that you're comfortable while you're working. I'll make sure that you're protected while you're working. And I'm going to give you leftovers from that meal, too. A lot of times we are praying small prayers to a big God. We're in the storm. We just want to get out. We just want a, a, a solution to our immediate problem. We want the minimum amount of blessing possible just to make it through. And that's not how our God works. Because we do not serve a God of just enough. I just want to encourage you for a second that God sees whatever situation it is that you're in right now. He cares about your situation. He wants to help you in your situation, and he is walking with you in your situation right now. Even if you don't know how, he will provide for you. This is true in Ruth's time, it's true in our time, and it's true throughout the Bible. Let's think to a, a story in Matthew 14 where Jesus' disciples come up to him and they say, there's a huge crowd here, we're teaching them, and we need to send them home because they don't have any food. They're not going to have any food here. And Jesus says, no, you feed them. And they say, well, we don't, we don't have enough food here. We just have some fish and, and some bread. We, how are we going to feed thousands of people doing that? And what does Jesus do? Let's, let's look in Matthew 14. It says, then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, taking five loaves and two fish. He looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. They all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over, and those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. God sees a need, and he doesn't just meet the need. That day, more than 5,000 people, because that's 5,000 people including their families, more than 5,000 people ate to satisfaction off of two fish and a few loaves of bread. And then he gave 14 baskets of leftovers. We do not serve a God of just enough, and he will provide. Now, hey, this does not mean that you're going to be the richest person in your neighborhood just because you, you pro profess faith in Christ. It doesn't mean that you're going to have like the best Maserati in town or, or the biggest house or anything like that. God provides abundantly for his way. Right now, in this room, every single one of us has everything we need, actually more than what we need, to do the will of God in our life. Whatever that step that you need to take today is, God has already provided for it. You have everything that you need to do the will of God in your life right now because we do not serve a God of just enough. We can trust that he will provide for us. 
All right, let's jump back in at verse 18 and finish out the chapter. And she took it up and went into the city. This is Ruth. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers, which is something we'll talk a little bit about next week. And Ruth the Moabite said, besides, he said to me, you shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Congratulations, we've made it to the end of the longest chapter of Ruth. Now what can we learn from this last section here. So let me set the scene. Ruth is coming home after a long day's work. She has leftovers from a terrific meal in one hand, and she's got two weeks' worth of food in the other. So I, I would imagine she's probably walking in kind of like this. Um, but it says that her mother-in-law saw immediately what she had gleaned. I'm adding the word immediately here. But there's nothing in between that. She saw what she had gleaned, and she kind of starts to freak out. Like, where, where were you today? Where did you do all this work? Someone must have, must have blessed you. Naomi noticed the blessings of God in Ruth's life immediately. And I think that we all need a Naomi in our life sometimes. Isn't it hard to see the blessings of God when you're in the storm? You know, we're focused on taking these small steps through whatever tragic situation we might be in, or, or maybe it's just stressful or, or really busy, and we're focused on, hey, I want to follow after God, and that's, and that's good, but a lot of times we're so distracted by all these steps that we're taking that we start to miss the blessings of God coming into our life. And Naomi is going to point these things out to you. They're going to remind you to celebrate. They're going to give you perspective, show you that God is still active in your life, even when you don't realize it. That's because God's hand is clearer with an outside perspective. God's hand is always active in our life, but sometimes it's clearer when we have that outside perspective looking in. You might know that God is going to provide for your situation. You might know that he's going to guide your steps. You might know that he's in control, but you know, when life gets hard, these things are like easy to, just easy to forget, easy to not notice. Is it true for anyone else that the, the hard things, the, the problems that we face in life tend to be heavier. They tend to weigh heavier on us than the blessings do. This is one of the reasons that we need to be consistently in community with other believers, with other people who can point these things out. To build the trust with someone that, someone that can speak into your life in a way that you will realize, oh, I trust that, that they are actually pointing out God's blessing in my life. That takes time. It takes intentionality with that friendship. And that's why we need to be consistently in, com in community with other believers and people who can build us up and remember these things. Without these people in our life, we might overlook a ton of blessing that's happening in our life. Naomi does not let that happen to Ruth. She's celebrating the fact that they can eat, 
that God has guided them, that he's been incredibly kind to them. And this is all just one day. This is one day's worth of work, and he is providing abundantly for them. So what if Ruth's obedience stopped here? She went out into the field, she put in a hard day's worth of work, and she comes back really blessed. She has two weeks' worth of food, she's got you know, a new guy that might be interested, and a, uh, and a nice leftover meal. This is all great, all great things. But that's not, her obedience doesn't stop at the blessing. In the last verse of the chapter, it says, so she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest. It says that she returned day by day until the end of these harvests for, for an entire season, for a few months, kept coming back to this field and, and consistently working. Even though she had enough for, those, those, for two weeks, she didn't take a day off. She continued to take the next step of obedience. And that's because obedience is a subscription service, not a one-time purchase. So think about Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, even live sports at this point. They're all coming, they're all going the way of this subscription model. You know, you give them 15, instead of giving $15 for a DVD that you have for life, um, or until you scratch it, um, it's $15 a month for your life, and then you can just have consistent access to, to whatever it is that they're, they're doling out. Um, sometimes we want obedience to be that one-time purchase, that one and done. It's like, okay, God, I, I forgave the person. I just please don't ask me to do anything else. I, I, that was that was more than enough. Aren't isn't that a, isn't that just isn't that enough? But often that's not how it works. God wants us to continue to return every day. He's going to continue to reveal things to you day by day. I want you to think about maybe when you first met the Lord. How far were you? How many patterns of disobedience, how much sin was ingrained in your life that there was just a ton of grace on? He didn't change you in one day. He changed your heart. He made you new. But a lot of the patterns of your life remain the same. And as weeks went by, he put one step in front. And he said, hey, just take this step with me. And then he put, hey, what about, what about this sin? Let's, let's talk about this. And he, okay, we, took, we take that step. And as we go over months and years, you start to look back and you see, wow, I am an unrecognizable person to what I was before because he continues to put one step. And as you're faithful with today, you start to see those changes and you begin to reflect Jesus more. God is slowly working you into the image of Christ through the situations in your life, through the things that he's calling you to, through the community that you're in, and he's doing it one step at a time. It's not all at once. It's one step followed by another, followed by another. So where are you at today? Are you doing just incredible spiritually? That's great, and I'm, I'm, very, ha- I'm very happy for you. Take your next step, whatever that is for you. Are you going through just a storm of a season? You have no idea what, what's gonna happen tomorrow. I'm sorry. It's very hard. God will provide for you. Take the next step. 
you know, and you might be sitting there thinking, hey, you know, you don't understand my life. You don't understand what I'm going through right now. This is just, I, I don't know what, God sees your situation and he's not gonna put a step in front of you that is too big for you to take. You have everything that you need right now to do the will of God in your life and he's calling us to be faithful with today. So what is that immediate problem for you? What's the thing that you know that you have to do? We should take that step today and trust that God is going to lead you through it, trust that he will provide for it, and trust that he will steer you and guide you down the path that he wants for you. So if you don't know what your next step is and you have not accepted Christ as your Savior, I will tell you that that is your very first step of obedience and probably the most important one that you will ever take. It says in Romans that all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. That's not a single one of us in this room. We are all short of God's glory, and that because of that, without a Savior, we must pay for that. Unfortunately, the only wage of sin, the only thing that we can do to pay for that is to give up our life. And that means that we don't spend eternity in heaven. But the good news is that God sent his son, Jesus, to live a perfect life, and he died on the cross to pay that payment for you. And three days later, he rose from the dead. He defeated the curse of sin and death in your life and in mine. And it says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. It is that easy. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Jesus, you are Lord of my life. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that he is still alive, that he is still with us. That sacrifice that Jesus paid can be yours even today. If you have any questions about that, that is the most important step of obedience that you can take. And if you leave with one thing, I hope it's with that. If you have any questions, I will be around here in the lobby after service. Ryan, who's going to come up and lead us in communion, will be around, and either one of us would be happy to talk to you. Talk to the person that you came in today, and if, and if all that's too much, you don't want to have that conversation, there's a next steps card in the seat back in front of you. In the prayer request, just write, I need Jesus, and someone will, someone will get in contact with you, because this is the most important decision that you could ever make. So I will leave you with this today. Take your step. Be faithful with today. And when you look back, I promise you, I promise you, and God's word promises you, that you will see God's hand in it.